0: What's up, guys? Before we get going today, I want to remind you the podcast brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. Skybox Sports Picks are the creators of the Skybox Matrix Interval and advanced modeling mechanism that has been tested and refined through years of experience and trial and error. These guys are legit. They came off a 30-unit week at the Masters last week. They hit Justin Rose at plus 4,500, leading after the first round. They profited on head-to-heads. They've got odds up already at the RBC Heritage this week. If you want to hop on that coming in the weekend head-to-head, they're on NASCAR. They're on baseball over/unders. You need to check these guys out. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of handicapping websites out there that are uh, not what they are cracked up to be. I promise you, I've seen the numbers. These guys are legit. You need to go check them out. They have a package for you. You could do a daily pass. It's 10 bucks. And with my promo code, not a math guy, 20% off, I think that makes it eight. If that's wrong, don't correct me. But they have all kinds of stuff going on right now. You can do, I'd recommend getting the full year pass and just riding through these guys for the full 365 days. It's going to pay itself back and then some, but you can go through four weeks. You could do a week long package. Uh, they have sports specific week long packages and month long packages. Crushing it on NASCAR, if you have any remote interest in NASCAR and you're not using these dudes' picks, you're pretty much just leaving money on the table. So check these guys out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Use the promo code RIPPY. You'll get 25% off. Hell, you can play 25 bucks this weekend and get the entire week's worth of RBC Heritage Picks. I don't know why the hell you would not do that. I mean, it's, it's literally just leaving money on the table. So go check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Happy to have them on board Podcast brought to you also brought to you by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. If you listened to the Grill Corner the other day and you're still going to Kroger to go buy a steak, you should probably just turn around, pull down your pants, and hit yourself in between the legs because there's really just no excuse for it. Greg knows grilling better than anyone on earth. If you subscribe to the Rippy Writes newsletter, which you go to rippyrightssubstack.com, you type in your email, you get free meat. Greg's doing a $10, 16-ounce prime strip right now. He had the spicy ribeye sausage going last week. We've got new deals on the horizon. You should check them out, LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. We've got a packed show today. I'm actually doing a two-parter. I'm giving you two podcasts for one. Colin and I did our usual Mailbag Friday, the People's Holiday is back. But I also talked to my old radio pal, Brian Haydad, for about an hour all over uh, all things Mississippi State. We got into some baseball at the end, our old radio days. Just kind of the state of sports in Mississippi over the last uh three hundred sixty five days of this pandemic, kind of similar to what I did with Borky last week if you listened that show uh, enjoyed catching up with him, but I'm just going to release that uh after this, so if you're listening to this right now, this will probably be released by then, but uh, I'll release that early Friday morning, so check that out if you need two podcasts to get you through the weekend i uh, I got you covered i'm not a hero, but if you'd like to call me one, I probably wouldn't say no so. We've got a packed show today. Colin and I answered your questions. We got into pitching matchups. What Ole Miss is going to do, minus Max Chophy, how the lineup looks. Is Justin ben- Bench's back healthy? You would hope so. He's the son of Johnny Bench. He's very durable. But uh, anyway, we got a packed show today. Let's go.
1: Rippy writes with Brian Scott.
0: Transcripts can be
1: obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have.
0: What's up? Happy Friday. I am Brian Scott Rippey. On the other end of the line, as he always is, is Colin Brister. It's Mailbag Friday. The People's Holiday is back. Hopefully you're celebrating without pants on, maybe a cold one in your hand. I don't know how you're celebrating. If you're driving, please don't do either of those things. Wait till you get to a safe space, then take your pants off. Anyway, we've got your questions to get into. A lot to dive into a huge series with Old Miss Baseball. I was dragging all day at work, but for whatever reason, when I hit record, I just gained a boost of energy. What's up, man?
1: Not much. That's like the Gatorade, right? Like where you just drink it, and all of a sudden all the electrolytes crash you or, or like feed into your body. So now you're ready to go once you've hit the record button.
0: Yeah, call, so all week's struggles. Call me crazy. Aren't you like me and you just get hit in the face with this pollen when the first wave comes through? Or is that make that up?
1: No, I mean, it, it doesn't. I'll be honest. That doesn't, Pollen doesn't bother me as bad as it does most people. But it's certainly an issue for a lot of people.
0: It gets me. My head is already <laughs> large enough. And when it adds 10 <laughs> pounds to it and figurative weight it's it's tough running around these parts so I've been been uh I'm already more nasally than I already am which is hard to do so we've been struggling this week but uh whatever reason I hit the record button and it was like uh it was like some sort of shot it's almost like the microchip but you have two of
1: I do I do have two I don't know if I've talked about it the uh second dose that that thing uh that thing got after me a little bit that was rough
0: yeah that's uh so my girlfriend got it the second one last Friday and uh, we had these plans to kind of go into Dallas and meet some folks for, like, drinks and stuff. I was playing golf in the morning. And I got to, like, the 10th hole and got a text. It was like, that's not happening. And uh, yeah. she did not feel great. But it's weird because, like you mentioned, I remember we recorded, like, right after you started feeling better after, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. At the yeah. day after that, she was fine. It was literally just about 12. Yes. She was awake, and it was pretty bad.
1: Yeah, it was uh... – I got it about three o'clock on a Monday, and then I felt awful until about nine o'clock on a Tuesday. So, yeah, it was real, but uh, glad I have it. Um, but, yeah. Uh,
0: I got a pretty yeah. wild story about that that I forgot to bring up on the Sunday show. Sure. Now, hers was a little different. She gets vaccinated on Friday, and she doesn't start feeling bad until the next day. Well, we go out. And we were gonna go have dinner at this little. We're gonna get a bite to eat at this brewery and go home. Not do a whole lot on Friday. Well, she gets a text from a friend that uh, had apparently been like DMing or something with Leon Bridges. Do you know who this is? I do not. No, me neither. Me, (laughs) me neither. He's apparently a very famous. uh, I don't want to say. I I don't want to say soul and it sound wrong. He's a musician that's won a lot of awards. Sure. Fair enough. Um, Sure. R&B soul. Okay, so I had that right. But, like, he's apparently big time, big time. They started playing okay. music in the cab ride over there, and I was like, oh, yeah, I've heard of this guy. Just, you know, I like some music, but I'm not a huge into a lot of – like, I'm not knowledgeable about music, I would say. Like, sure. old Miss baseball or important things like that. Um. Anyway, so I, there she was like, we got to go meet her. Apparently, this is actually going to happen. We're like, okay. So – I started start slinging him back. I'm not going to lie. Like, I was like, if this is actually going to happen, we were waiting a while. And uh, he actually showed up, turned out to be a pretty cool guy. I was apparently just being a jackass. I think he did not want a picture. I took a selfie to send to my dad. I don't think it was the biggest deal in the world, but uh, I was feeling pretty lucid when this happened, to say the least. So we uh, drank a couple beers with Leon Bridges on Friday. There you go. Wow. You're uh,
1: you done. You done gone that next thing you know, you'll be hanging out with Luca.
0: Yeah, exactly. Me, him, and uh, the Cubes, Mark Cuban. We're on a first name basis. No big deal. Uh, at a bar outside American Airlines Center or something. I've actually gone to a hockey game there on Saturday. But the point of that story was not to flex. Me hanging out with Leon Bridges, who probably yes, it was. Honestly, yes, it was. Okay, partially, but to be honest, the guy probably thought I was a clown. Um, but he was kind of interesting. He had no, like, entourage or crew or anything, and he's, like, that big of a deal. Just him and a high school buddy. Seemed like a cool guy. I wish I had been less of myself because he might have liked me. But the point of that story was to say that she went out. We hit the town pretty hard. We don't do that a ton anymore. And so think about the feeling you had of the vaccine on top Ooh. of uh, a gigantic hangover. which was, Well, well see, see, my
1: gigantic – or, like, the day after the vaccine honestly felt like a Friday night. Or Friday morning after you go to the – because, you know, you go to the library on Thursday nights and you wake up on Friday morning, it's like, do I want to go to class or not? And usually the answer is no. But now I have a job and it's like, I have to go to my job. It was eerily similar to the same decision that I had to make in college of, do I go to the – do I go to class with this massive hangover or not?
0: It's funny you call it a decision. I got to about junior <laughs> – it was just accepted. Great. I was in the business school and shout out to the Ole Miss Business School. Class on Friday is not a thing there past a certain level of classes. So I got <laughs> lucky there. But in the event I did have one, it wasn't much of a choice.
1: Yeah, no, that was I can tell I could count on one hand after one hand after my uh my sophomore year of college, how many Friday classes I attended during football season. It, it, was, it was like none. I was either getting ready to set up in the grove or was already on a road trip somewhere. So class on Friday during the fall was not a thing for me.
0: No, it's why, I, like, it was so funny. I remember being a high school kid going up to college. It was like, wow, these people go out on Thursday nights. Like, how is that a thing? And then you get up there, and it's like, no, no, Thursday is the weekend.
1: Yes, yes, Thursday to Sunday is the weekend. Correct.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, just, that's <laughs> just how that works. So, anyway, we got a ton to get into. Let's uh. Let's, we're recording early Friday uh, for both of our goods. Uh, we both have stuff to do later on. So we are recording before these series start. And also, we, uh, I sent out mailbag questions kind of late. So let's hit the, the baseball first. That way we first, have uh, a couple of straggler mailbag questions. We can hit those at the end. Third, so Jack Dowry. Uh, Yeah, I was about to say, we have a lot of news to catch up <laughs> on. It's been you know, a whole five days or four days since you and I have talked on a microphone and I wrote in the newsletter on Wednesday. I didn't do a Thursday newsletter. I just had too much work stuff. And there wasn't a whole lot to get to past the midweek and not a whole lot going on in the golf world. So, anyway, I wrote on the Wednesday new letter, newsletter that Mike Bianco did his best uh, Walter Cronkite impression on Tuesday because that man was just breaking news left and right. So, where do we start? Let's go. Uh, let's go. start with the watch big watch news. What's the most? You want to work up to the peak? Uh,
1: okay. Okay. Well, what are we considering
0: the peak here? Uh, the peak would be the, uh, rotation change before that. the Ooh, I could argue it's not. Okay. So let's start off with, I, then I'll let you, we'll, we'll take turns. I'll go least consequential. Kale Baker goes four for four with six RBIs. Yeah. Uh, it's a good sign as I wrote, but can I see that against 90 mile an hour fastballs?
1: Yeah, that would, that would help to cause, I will go what I think is most consequential. Justin Bench's back is a problem. Okay, that that it is a problem. Um, I don't know if he plays this weekend. I have no insight. I I say I have no insight. I think he tries to play this weekend, but he's hurting. Um, so it's going to be. I think he tries to give it a go, but it is it is certainly an issue that you're starting every day third baseman, uh, which has kind of solidified your infield has a very uh, I shouldn't say very serious, but a definite, definite back
0: issue. Yeah, so I'm not going to lie. That kind of flew over my head initially when I saw the lineup. Uh, and then it kind of, I guess, came out a little bit afterwards as well. But uh, my biggest thing was like, oh, he moved McCants to third. But I obviously did not see that. Like, I, I just, I don't know. That just slipped my mind. That is a, that's a big deal for a team that's had some really kind of crappy injury luck this year. I don't know any uh, – I, obviously, I don't know much about any injuries, but in terms of back injuries, said he, Mike said he woke up Monday morning with some lower back discomfort in the SI joint area and will see two has seen two doctors to this point, hopeful to have him this weekend but wasn't able to play today. That sounds like he tries to give it a go, but it's not always going to be easy.
1: Yeah, that feels like a situation where he may have to take a day or two off because – SI joint is in the lower part of the back, obviously, like Mike said, and it's what kind of connects your, you know, lower back to your legs, which that kind of seems important in baseball.
0: Yes, that does. Much like having two working ACLs seems fairly important as well. <laughs> Look, and I, I – I, I, to be honest, I through all the news on Tuesday, I completely omitted that in the Wednesday newsletter, but I wrote from Chofi's standpoint, which we'll get to in a minute. Sure. This team is kind of one major injury – or one major contributor missing time away from really changing how you view them ceiling wise. Do you agree or disagree?
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, if Elko's there, I'll say it. If Elko was on this team, I think they're the best team in the country. Um, But he's not. So, yeah, I mean, because, I mean, you look at this offense without Elko and it puts up 30 runs this weekend against, you know, what is the consensus number one team in the country right now you had a guy like him and I think you probably win the Arkansas series that maybe, maybe a little optimistic. I don't really think so. And then, you know, you talk about, uh, I, I've actually done some digging today and you talk about it, you talk about a guy on Friday and Saturday that outside of Jack Leiter and, and Kumar Rocker are giving you the most innings of any Friday, Saturday combo in the SEC. Um, yeah, I, I think if you're you're talking about one major injury, like an Elko away from being the best team in the country.
0: Yeah, and I just mean a, a any sort of guy missing significant time. I mean, Justin Bench definitely falls in that category. Or Hayden Dunhurst gets hurt. You know, oh like, god, like you're you're one away from like it not being recoverable. And now with the loss of Trophy and not being able to to, to trust some of these guys in the pen, you're kind of one major bullpen arm. I mean. What happens to Taylor, I'm not saying it. Oh, nothing. God,
1: please don't say that.
0: But you see what I'm saying? Like, he misses any significant time. Oh, it's
1: struggle. oh God. Oh, God. Yeah, completely agree. Um, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're an injury away at this point after, you know, losing Elko and, and having Max Trophy go down and, you know, Derek Diamond struggling. You're an injury away from it just being, oh, this is probably a national seed team to I think they might host. Like, that, that that's – Justin Bench cannot miss too much time.
0: No, he can't, but it does not sound like this from – and, again, you never know with back injuries, but a season-ender. I mean, when you wake up – No, it's not a season-ender. Yeah, you wake up with some sort of discomfort. It sounds like something that they're just going to have to manage the rest of the way. And how you do yeah. that, I have no idea. I'm not a doctor.
1: No, me either. But, yeah, it's going to be tough. Um, but, you know, it's, it's something I think he – if you made me guess just – from you know, a little digging, I think he takes the field at third base on Friday night in Starkville if they play. Weather again, not looking great.
0: Yeah, the weather's bad. What is the deal with that? It's also supposed to be actually terrible weather here, which uh, that would make me think y'all would get it Saturday. But who who knows? Again, not a doctor, not a weatherman, but good lord, you can't catch a break on that either. I mean, how many double? This would be the third double header they play in SEC play.
1: I think they can get it in tomorrow night. I don't think it's a situation where like. It was last Friday night where you're just waiting on this thunderstorm to come pound you. I think there's some spot showers that they think is going to be here on Friday night. They wind up pushing this thing back two hours and playing at 8 o'clock.
0: For sure. So, let's, let's keep raking through this news, though. So, but just sure, talk sure. on Kel Baker going four for four. Good sign, but I I don't make a ton of it.
1: I don't make anything of it. I mean, you know, he's look – they need Kel Baker. Um, I'm hopeful. I will say this. I'm hopefully it gives him some confidence because I do think confidence plays in baseball um, from an absolute mechanical standpoint and the ability to hit elite pitching. I, I,
0: nothing. I take nothing from this. Would agree with that. Uh, how about we'll go second one? <laughs> Who in the hell is Jack Doherty? I don't know, but
1: uh, I'll give you some track man numbers, okay? Because I, I wound up getting. Jack Gordy's Trackman numbers, uh, I guess, yesterday, just because I wanted to see what it looked like. Um, For for context here, uh, Drew McDaniel has a – let's see. I'm just looking through here. Drew McDaniel has a 7.58-foot extension, which, you know, that's like how far you are away from the mound when you release the ball, right? That is considered elite. Jack Doherty's was 7.95 on, on Tuesday night. And and I know people are saying, Oh, it's 22 pitches. Like raw data like that doesn't lie. Like that, that's not something that's going to change over a sample size amount. He averaged a 92.65 mile per hour fastball and a 2300 spin rate, which is really, really good. I think Ole Miss might have found something here. Like, I don't think this is what, what was the quote from a Like, you don't – would you keep that in the midweek? Like, I think this actually applies. I think this kid – I don't know if he pitches in Starkville this weekend, but I'm pretty confident by next weekend he's pitching on SEC weekends. Yes,
0: yeah, sir. So I didn't – obviously I did not dive that far into it looking at this kid, but I watched the – I went – so I was kind of in and out of the game. I was actually recording something else. Uh, actually, uh, no, I was recording with Grill Corner with Greg, which you should go check out uh, earlier in the week. Pretty cool some – cool stories on uh hoover sauce and some other things but i was in and out and then when he came in i kind of rewound it and went and watched back all the 22 pitches that was kind of what i surmised of it i was like i don't know what to make of this i had to be reminded who this kid is and where he came from but 93 on the black is 93 on the black no matter who's standing in that batter's box
1: yep it's it, it's a real like his track man numbers. Look, this I don't want to do this comp because it's not the same thing. Like, location matters, ability to throw your breaking ball where you want matters. Uh, his raw data was outside of a little one tick down velocity-wise was a lot was better in every category than Taylor Broadway's. Uh, from a spin rate perspective, from a, from a vertical break perspective, from a horizontal break perspective. Uh, again, I'm not calling him Taylor Broadway. He's not. But if this kid can continually throw the ball 93 miles an hour and throw his breaking stuff into the strike zone, look, it was 22 pitches. He's going to have to do it again. They'd be foolish not to get him on the weekends. I mean, look, people say, well, where was he at the beginning of the year? Well, he wasn't throwing 93. He wasn't 91 to 93. He was 86 to 88. And over the last month or two, I believe, he's found about four to five miles of below. And at that point, it's like, oh, this kid can help us. I mean, and Mike saw the game Sunday, too. Their, their bullpen's an issue right now.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so that's that's kind of the story with this kid. It was he was okay in the fall, was 86 to 89. And as Mike kind of said in his post-game, he just really kind of took it upon himself to go get stronger in the weight room and added some strength and kind of refined his mechanics and refined things with his pitch mix as well. And really just kept working on stuff. And I think part of that was kind of born out of the fact that. I think they just assumed he was going to red shirt. And so he was just kind of able to operate on this regimen of, I don't have any games to get ready for. So let's just work on getting better and trying to be the best version of myself for 2022 or summer ball or whatever that may be. Um, I just think that clears your mindset when you're thinking, okay, not going to see the field. Let's see what I can work on and see if I can get better in the next, you know, X amount of days or whatever it is, X amount of sure. months. And it sounds like it just happened a hell of a lot faster. And they kept coming and coming. And, you know, Mike deserves credit in this as well as kind of digging deep in the barrel to find a spark. Because, you know, how, even if he was better at some point, how many guys that you planned on redshirting who, you know, were not going to be a factor are you going to debut in mid April?
1: Sure. I mean, it's weird for sure. Um, and I thought, you know, when I saw him take him out, I was like, oh, I don't know who this kid is. They're just going to try to get him some innings. I'm sure he's – I was like, he's – I had no clue who this kid was. I was like, he's just a Juco transfer that, you know, works hard, like a Pierce Smith. They just you know, want to get him some work. Um, and then he threw a 93-mile-an-hour fastball on his first pitch. I was like, whoa. <laughs> like, like, hold up. Uh, where, where the hell is this kid, been? And uh, then he continued to throw 93-mile-an-hour fastballs. And it was like, oh, this kid might could actually help.
0: Yeah, he definitely – I mean, that's what I think. So – and that Mike got asked about that, and he was like – he didn't necessarily rule it out. But that was, again, another thing. If you go read the newsletter at rippyrights.com. I basically just put all these podcast thoughts into words. That's what – I just put – hey, man, if, you, if, this, if you're in a rubber game on Sunday in the seventh inning, things are getting a little squirrely and you've already spent all your usual bullets, I promise you his name is coming up in the dugout at the very least.
1: Sure. Sure. Assuming I, I – and I think he will be on the travel roster this weekend after that performance. Assuming he's on the travel roster, I would – look, I'm not saying he's first, second, third, fourth, or fifth out of the bullpen, but you get into a situation like you did on Sunday, uh, i throw him before I throw Luke Baker. <laughs> That's
0: a good point. And what's weird about it is is there's no shot he's been on a travel roster yet. No. Like, I don't no. – I'm not on the beat. I don't really check that stuff anymore, but there's no way. I don't think he's dressed out before Tuesday. Even at home. Yeah, even I mean, I don't know what out.
1: red shirts do. Like, if they're not playing, do they dress out?
0: So, there used to be a weekend. You know, hats off to Mike Bianco for just being a saint of being, you being. Know, there's a weekend where they, the weekend before they cut all of them, they used to let all of them dress out. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Like, the last home weekend. I you know heard this. this. So, I don't know if this is 100% accurate. So, please don't take me at 100% face value at this. But I had a family friend whose kid played for a year um, and just really kind of wasn't cutting it. Uh, it wasn't a surprising thing. But check the last week before finals or whatever, or whatever the last home series, and see if that dugout gets any bigger because I swear that used to be a thing. Be that as it may, that, that's irrelevant. What a crazy story because this doesn't happen. I was trying to figure out the last kid I could think of that debuted in April. And I oh, I can tell you. Wait, I was going to say I didn't have to go very far. It was Greer Holston. I was a science all of a sudden. I never forget. I was sitting in the press box at at Pearl, at uh, the stadium in Pearl, Trust Park, Park, and State's beating Ole Miss pretty good. I think the game is, it's over yeah. at this point, I guess. And it's like eight to one. Well, hey turns around and tells me, "He goes, I thought you told me this kid had the yips." And I looked up, and his was and I was like, "Oh, he does." I, <laughs> the he he does. Here, come, here
1: comes eighty-one.
0: Yeah, I was about to say. Well, he was actually fine, but granted, you're never trusting him in a game. I, I can't remember anything like this. If this kid does in fact turn out to be a story, I can't remember anything similar to this. No, I can't either. Um, Parker Corazon was still discovered by the third weekend, even though. Oh yeah,
1: I mean, he was he was pitching. I went and looked at his stuff today. He was pitching four innings in their first weekend against Tennessee, uh, first SEC weekend against Tennessee. So yeah, I mean, no, I can't remember anything like this, but. Look, he's gonna to have to do it again, I think, before they trust him on an SEC weekend. But I think that stuff's real. <laughs> like, I just look. In location is something that can come and go. I mean, if he's not able to locate, you're not gonna run him out there on an SEC weekend. But you know, if he's able to consistently prove, hey, I can throw the fastball in the strike zone, I can throw a slider in the strike zone, you'd be kind of foolish at this point to not give him a chance. I'll tell you something else, and well, I'm sure we'll get to Mississippi State this weekend. I – Look, I, I, I like Mike Bianco. I think he's a really good coach. I think one of the flaws he has is he gets his bullpen, and that's his bullpen. He's, and by he's God, not. He's, yeah, he's not going to deviate from it. Brandon Johnson should pitch. He, he should pitch a lot because that stuff's real, and he's able to throw strikes. And I, I do not get the, uh, why they've not used him more.
0: Okay, so I agree, and that's, uh, that's kind of something you've, you've been able to, or I say you, just a collective you, have kind of been able to get on to Mike for, particularly in the past. But do you think the fact that he's, you know, throwing a Jack Geordie at, you know, mid-April and pulling the red chart off just to kind of see is a testament that he's probably willing to try things he wasn't three years ago? Sure, I,
1: I, and absolutely. I 100% agree, because I don't think this is a thing three years ago. Um, no. But my thing is, you've seen Brandon Johnson pitch all year. He pitched in the first weekend against Texas. You went to him on Sunday against UL Monroe. Like, this kid isn't new. So, what do you see in him as to why he couldn't have gotten in the game on Sunday? You know, I, I don't know. I Every time I watch him pitch, I just think that that's an SEC reliever. So
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're – so, you know, we – I hated that it didn't work out the way it did because I was going to take a gigantic-ass victory lap on Braden Forsyth uh, had that worked out in their favor on Sunday because he actually pitched okay. Like, he it's was fine. Hard, and, you know, sure. it was a disaster. Like, he earned another shot at it. Like, he's he sure. getting grounded again. And the fact that Mike is willing to do that.
1: Well, hold on. That was laugh.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah, that, okay, fair enough. But I, I still think he probably suited it. Uh, at a certain point, because, I mean, hell, like you said, Luke Baker pitched in that game. He did. But, he did. yes, you're right. You're, you're, you're right about that. It was technically Carl Lafferty. But you get my point. So, I think you're going to see that, right? I mean, particularly, and that's as good a transition to any, is the terrible news with Max Trophy, man. Yeah. He, he comes over the knee thing. He has the minor procedure. Like I said, I just kind of miss – I mean, the South Alabama game got so weird and the Elko injury took – wind out of it please, please
1: show some respect that was north alabama
0: did i say south alabama you did. you did damn and i'm the one advocating for a trophy between the two schools and i can't get it right i guess that's like every national announcer trying to get old miss and state correct but anyway <laughs> so I, I just missed all of that and so i was going back through his game log and it sucks right because he goes makes it way back there's no way he was probably 100 healthy but he goes from knee to ucl like that that's tough luck and he's out for the season for those of you don't know what I'm don't know what we're referring to sorry that was like the worst radio intro of all time but Max Trophy out for the season with the UCL injury I don't know why they say that I guess they just leave the possibility open but like nine times out of ten this is Tommy John
1: yeah I I just thought they said Tommy John but whatever yeah he's he's out for the year with been probably gonna get Tommy John um you kind of knew something was up right when he takes the mound against North Alabama and he's throwing 82 to 84. It's like, yeah, y'all can keep telling me that's a knee issue, but like, I don't believe it. So um, yeah, he's throwing 84 miles an hour against North Alabama. I kind of figured at that point, like I didn't think it was just knee that made him throw 84 and, and, you know, he came off the mound against Texas tech in the first game with an arm issue. I just kind of figured something was up and, you know, you get the news on Tuesday night that he is done and look, it's it's a situation right where it's like well you've approached this all year of well when we get Max Schophy back our bullpen will be better but in that same breath you've pitched the whole year without Max Schophy so you know like what your bullpen is going to look like because it's looked like that all year.
0: Yes, it's just I mean I know he, he he was kind of out of sight out of mind with that injury and you know when you're the third fourth reliever in the minds of people who follow the team like that's not someone oh man I can't wait till we get him back. But we, I mean, how many times have we said the the phrase bridge guy to Broadway yeah. and how it's kind of been an adventure in the middle on this podcast? I mean, look at his swings and miss rates. I mean, look at his numbers. You know, his strikeout numbers from 2019 were kind of absurd. It, it was pretty good in 2018, too. I mean, you talk about a high-leverage guy that could hand the ball to Broadway when you can't quite get it there. I mean, he's that to a T.
1: Sure. He's a guy with with – uh high spin rates that's able to pitch up in the zone and and you know fastball jumps on hitters so yeah i mean it's a tough loss he was going to at full health get guys out in the SEC and would certainly have been uh one of Ole Miss's top two to three relievers for sure.
0: His I just wanted to make sure I I got all of this correct. He struck out 30 dudes with nine walks and 30 innings in 2019.
1: Yeah that's about right. That'll play. Right. Yeah. And he was even better in 20.
0: Uh, yeah, he was. Which I'd say 20 was probably an indication of where he headed in his career, right? That's his third year. He's been a contributor every year since he got there. He did not allow an earned run over eight innings, and he struck out 12 and did not walk a hitter. He allowed three. Good God. About
1: like one, 115.
0: 26 batters faced at one 115. I guess that's three for 26. That's a 15.
1: Batters. That's 15 K nine. Good grief. Yeah. Him at full health would have been, would have been special, but you know, obviously you're not going to get that. So somebody's going to have to, I say step up, like there's not a role that you have to step up into, but they, I mean, just from a, you know, logical sense, they've got to find guys in this bullpen that can get out.
0: It's the, it's like you just said, it's the Wes Burton, Brandon Johnson, Braden Forsyth tier of guys. Like they need two of the three at least. And it'd be quite nice if they could have count on all three to shove.
1: Sure. Um, you know, and, and I think, look, there's, there's some ways right to mask your bullpen in a way like, um, and, and Ole Miss has done a good job of this in a way. They've done a good job on Friday and Saturday, but like, you play 27 innings in a weekend, you know, most of the time. Obviously, if you're on the road, you don't win. You c- couldn't pitch the ninth. But usually you're going to pitch around 27 innings. Drew McDaniel, Gunnar Hoagland, um, G- Hoagland, Doug Nikhazy, and Taylor Broadway need to pitch, like, 18 of those 27 innings. Like, they, yes, Ole his bullpen is problematic, uh, you know, after what happened last weekend. But, like, also don't ask them to pitch more than nine innings and that would probably help
0: right and it's like it's it's dudes that you thought they would count on that have been really shaky right I mean Jackson Kimbrell hasn't been terrible but like are you trusting Uh,
1: no uh and I don't trust Austin Miller at all Same.
0: So I mean it comes down to who are you trusting Tyler Myers
1: that's he no I don't trust Tyler Myers but I trust him more than those two so
0: who, do you, who do you trust not named Taylor Broadway, I guess, is probably the million-dollar question.
1: Zach Dowry. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you want my honest, i <laughs> Brandon Johnson.
0: I know. Like, but that's, 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 that's probably a great encapsulation of where this bullpen currently is, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, you, I, the, I think the second-best reliever in the bullpen is a guy that hasn't pitched in an SEC game this year. It's and the third
0: period, did he make the North Alabama? Uh,
1: he no, he pitched Tuesday night.
0: Okay, so he pitched Tuesday night. That's why I brought him up. I agree. I mean, I think all those guys are gonna have to pitch and, and pitch quite well. And before we get into that Mississippi State series, uh, we obviously one last bit of news. Mike did say, and I think everyone knew this was coming once he was not, he's not the starter. Uh, listed starter on Tuesday as well. I'll tell you what though, that leaves the possibility open for his boy to get serious innings because you know who is also not the starter on Tuesday. Who's that? Josh Mallets.
1: Oh my God. Well, <laughs> he did pitch. He did pitch twice on over the weekend. I was just kind of hoping it was that.
0: He's getting in the game this weekend. I'm just telling.
1: No, you. No, please don't that. say that. Please because don't Mike say
0: that. Mike has guys like that every year. And now look, Justin Bench has turned into a great player. But Mike loved Justin Bench as a freshman, and it was not because of the results. And not that Justin Bench was horrible. He had that broken hand, and it's well-documented that he comes back from the broken hand and Mike bunts him in his first at bat. I got a huge kick out of that. Like, Mike does have guys, that, like, particularly young guys, that he really loves. And I, I think Josh Mallitz might have some freshman Justin Bench in him in terms of a uh, five-man crush. We'll call it that
1: god please no i think he might be right but i i don't need that i do not need him on the mound in the eighth inning of a three to two game against mississippi state don't need that i'm actually going to the dude on friday night don't need that in my system
0: yeah i uh i would argue if it was the eighth inning and unless it's uh unless it's sunday that uh your 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 guy taylor broadway is probably in the game at that point but uh A duly noted. So, but getting to it, the the news was, is that Drew McDaniel is going to pitch uh, on or start on Sunday for the Rebels in Starkville instead of Derek Diamond. We knew it was coming. I wrote about this earlier this week. You could argue this is a week too late. You could argue this is four weeks too late. However far we are removed from Auburn now. But uh, I'm also like, again, as much as I kind of like to rib Mike, I'm not going to crush – him for sticking with the guy that's been a Sunday guy for him for basically the equivalent of a full season to that point. And while, yes, you could probably tell a little bit of it was fool's gold, him getting to six innings against both Auburn and Alabama, but he's not wrong for keeping it that way at the time, even though I think probably gut feeling, even we talked about at the time, the right move based on the eye test. And I mean, hell, not even eye test, just look at numbers uh, and stuff. Was probably Drew McDaniel just staying as the Sunday guy, but I'm not gonna crush him for it. And the move's made now, so we'll see what happens. No,
1: I'm I'm not gonna crush him for it. I thought, you look, know, I would have made. Oh, excuse me, I would have made the decision after Florida. I'm not gonna crush the guy for giving him another week, but also like, it had to be this week. Now I, here's where, look, and and. I don't want to spend too much time with this because what I would do and what Mike Bianco do is is would do is irrelevant because, like, I don't coach Ole Miss baseball, so nobody cares what I would do. There's a part of me, though, that wondered, is he going to – because this is what I would do. I would put TBA on Sunday, and if I needed Drew McDaniel to win a game on Friday or Saturday, I'd use him. And, and I'm not saying – and I wouldn't – let me rephrase. I would not start Derek Diamond on Sunday, but I'd start somebody else if I had to. Like, you see what I'm saying? If I had to use yeah. Drew McDaniel to win a game on Friday or Saturday – I would have used him, and if I had to trot Wes Burton out on Sunday, I would have done it. That was the only way I thought Wes Burton might not be the Sunday guy. Or, excuse me, uh, Drew McDaniel might not be the Sunday
0: guy. That certainly makes sense. And backing up to what you said a second ago, if you really want to get, like, chapped ass about how late this move came, it's not doing it after Florida. Because that was really the one where I was like, not only did he not do it after Florida, the way – McDaniel was used against Arkansas. It's kind of just like, okay, what? I mean, again, Mike Bianco forgotten more baseball than I'll know, but at the same time, what are we doing here? So yeah, move, So and this is I've had this theory if you've listened to the show for the last month or so, don't you think there's a part of them that provides Mike a little more clarity in the bullpen having Diamond go because you talked about the 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 quote unquote our favorite buzzword bridge guy and Max Trophy not being there. Don't you? And obviously he he was. Mike was, not, Mike was not good at using McDaniel out of the bullpen. I'll put it that way. No. Derek Diamond, the way he projects and the way he seems to kind of fit the mold of the bullpen seems a lot more defined than Drew McDaniel. So it might give him some clarity there.
1: Sure. Uh, Drew McDaniel is a guy that I think, look, I think the role should have been reversed just from what each guy provides you, if that makes sense. Like, I think I viewed Drew McDaniel, to go back for, to the 2014 team, I, drew, I view Drew McDaniel as a guy like uh, Aaron Greenwood. He's going to give you some links, could probably start. I know Aaron never started, but he's got to give you four or five innings. Kind of view Diamond right now as like a Josh Laxer. Like, yeah, I'm going to come in, I'm going to bust it up for five outs and throw 95, and I might throw a curveball, might not. Um, But he's not going to be the guy that gives you four or five innings in relief or, you know, gets you three and a half innings to get you to Broadway. Like, I think he's the guy that, man, for five outs, he's unhittable. But don't ask him to do more than that. So I kind of just think this makes Ole Miss their best, right? Like, yes, you would prefer Diamond to not give up whatever he gave up in, you know, 1.1 innings last week. But I think Ole Miss at its absolute best, is Drew McDaniel starting on Sunday, and Diamond being the guy that's able to get you five or six outs in a bullpen setting?
0: Agreed. The thing that I, I like that comparison, but right now, and maybe it changes because your mindset is so much different pitching out of the bullpen uh, than it what than it is as a starter. And I know that sounds obvious, but it really is. Who is the guy that poor kid a couple years ago that just? could not get settled in when he came in. He was a former starter. I think it was Zach Phillips. Was Zach Phillips the kid that just sucked when he came in and inherited runners and Mike kept doing it to him? Uh,
1: I think he did it once or twice, but he was the guy that they moved into the midweek world and was really, really good.
0: No, he was. I remember Zach Phillips well. He's a Texarkana kid, which is where my girlfriend's from. And so I I talked to him a couple times and knew him pretty well. There was some dude – that was just not well-suited for that Mike kept doing it, but that's not really relevant here. I guess what I'm saying is I don't dislike the laxer comparison, but with the current version of what we've seen from Diamond is, yes, high velocity, yes, he could get you five outs, but at the same time, if he comes on and he hits two runners and it's a four-to-two game, I don't like the per- – it, it's just a percentage I'm making up in my head. It seems like a much higher likelihood than other guys that that ball is going to go 380 feet over the fence.
1: Well, sure. Um, And I don't think, you know, Derek has a ton of confidence right now. I don't know how you could after you kind of get, you know, beat up against Arkansas and don't pitch well against Florida. And really, I mean, if you want to get honest about it, didn't pitch well against Alabama. Um, Sure, I I think that's fair. But I also think – I think that's something that's correctable. That's something that's fixable in the short term too. Like I I think that Derek Diamond by the time uh, May 1st, May 15th, whatever your specific day in May May is rolls around, think he's a guy that's perfectly fine in a bullpen setting.
0: Yeah. I mean, hell, if the injury bug keeps up, he might be the Friday guy. I can't. I, can't. <laughs> <laughs> I won't do that to all the listeners out there. Let's, uh, so with that being the case, it, I, I cautioned, I did a solo bit after Greg's podcast on Tuesday. And I kind of cautioned people against saying, okay, Sunday's fixed now. Because while I think you'd have more confidence in, um, in Drew McDaniel and him going and making the switch just because it's really just gone stale, and they're obviously the results have not been good with Derek Diamond. But if you look at the numbers, other than runs allowed, it's, it's really hard contact is the difference between those two. The sure. strikeout numbers are not all that different. The walk numbers are all that different. It's the amount of runs that have crossed the plate and the amount of hits, and I know that sounds simplistic, but like most of the other numbers are uh are really not like not that dissimilar between the two of them it's just that drew mcdaniel's been able to strand runners because he he's missed a lot more barrels uh in timely situations or generated soft contact to so, where i mean how many times have you seen Derek diamond kind of waste a about two guys on, and say, okay, okay it's out here he's it, then it's a it's a double or a home run and it just all comes call comes collapsing down does that make sense
1: no absolutely um So yeah, uh, you know, he gives up obviously the two back-breaking home runs really on uh, on well, uh, you know, Sunday that you know obviously not good. Um, But yeah, it just kind of feels like for whatever reason he's not able to make the pitch to get off the field. Like even after you know they go down five to nothing or whatever, three to nothing. I can't remember what it was when he left. It's like okay, if they get out of this three nothing, it's fine.
0: Right. But he he just
1: yeah, and he just couldn't get out of it three to nothing. It's like Christ, now they're in trouble um turns out they weren't actually in trouble from an offensive standpoint but he just could he can't make the pitch to get off the field and I'm not like I'm not I don't subscribe to the Mike Bianco of oh yeah we just got to make pitches like I that I don't believe in that type of stuff whatever uh different different strokes for different folks but that you know I for whatever reason I he was not able to pitch well with guys on base now in saying that I think it's a little bit of a different scenario when you come in and those guys on base aren't yours like it doesn't screw with your confidence when you come in with a guy on first and third that you didn't put on first and third, if that makes sense. Like, it's, it screws with you when those guys on first and third are there because you screwed up, if that makes sense.
0: Sure. I'll just put it in – I mean, none of these pitchers will ever think this way or say that, but I'll just I – mean, in my brain, it's, oh, this is this asshole's problem. Like, if he scores, it's not my fault. <laughs> yeah, like, no, they don't think like that. But, yeah, I mean – Which is probably why I was never good at team sports. But, anyway, go ahead.
1: <laughs> but, I mean, it's just like, you know, um, I didn't get those – I didn't put those guys there, so I'm not worried about my stuff not being very good. My stuff's fine. This other guy put them there. I'm just going to strike out this dude, and we're going to go back to the dugout. Um, so, I, I think Diamond's fine in a bullpen roll. I am interested to see if he pitches this weekend. Uh, I'll ask you, do you think Derek Diamond takes the mound and start this weekend? <laughs>
0: I mean, unless things go absolutely perfectly for Ole Miss, yes.
1: I think I agree. I think I agree. Um, Because I'm not sure how you can look at him and say he's not – look, I don't necessarily think he's great um, right now, but I don't think you can look at him and say he's not one of your top five or six pitchers either.
0: And that's exactly what it comes down to. At a certain point, it's like, well, how do you, like, how do you avoid going to them? How many other dudes are you going to get to before you have to go to him? And the list is not very long at this point because, like we've just mentioned, as bad as he's been on Sunday sometimes, I mean, he's still got the stuff. Sure.
1: Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I, I, and as we get into Mississippi State here, I, I expect Diamond will have, frankly, a pretty important role this weekend. It's just obviously not going to be as the Sunday starter.
0: Right, so that's probably as good a transition as any to actually get into it with Mississippi State this weekend. Huge series. They're tied. They're a game behind Arkansas. All three of these teams are in uh, in the SEC West race. Um, just before we do that, and get in, and we'll get into the picks, obviously, later, but, like, these three teams are all good. They're all probably going to host. I'd probably give a little bit of an upper leg between the two teams to Arkansas, but we always want to make this sweeping assumptions out of these two three-game series. I just think all you can take from these is, these three teams are good. Their results will affect the SEC rest race. And the rest of the division kind of sucks.
1: Uh, the only thing I'll disagree on is I don't think Al- Alabama doesn't suck. Um, and, I, you know, I, I don't think LSU is any good. But LSU is going to find a way to make a regional. Now, that being said, I think LSU kind of sucks. But, no, Alabama getting pre back. I disagree. They, they do not suck. Anyways. To your point, yes. I think I frankly think it's indicative that Ole Miss is 6-0. and And this is where I get a lot of confidence if I'm an Ole Miss fan over the next – not this week, but the next two weeks. I look at it as, okay, Ole Miss has played and SEC played two teams they're better than. They're 6-0. and They've played two teams the past two weekends that on the road, I don't think Ole Miss is much better than Florida. And, frankly, I think Arkansas is a little better than Ole Miss right now especially without Elko without Elka, you lost those series but I do think it is a positive right for Ole Miss that hey when we play a team that we're better than an SEC play we swept them like that gives me confidence that when South Carolina rolls in here when LSU rolls in here that, that Ole Miss isn't going to lose that series
0: yeah absolutely that's well said so as we get into Mississippi State uh, the Friday night matchup from a pitching standpoint is going to be a treat. I mean, you got two sure. guys that have been really good. Just initial thoughts on uh, what Ole Miss is rolling out and what state's rolling
1: out. Um, Gunnar Hogan, obviously really good. I think, uh, you know, ideally Ole Miss would like – because he's gone, I think, six innings his last three starts. I think – no, he, he didn't go six. He went 5.1 against Arkansas. Ideally, they would like to get more out than six out of him. They'd like to get closer to seven, 7.1, whatever. Um Christian McLeod, really good. High spin rate fastball, left-handed guy. Uh, kind of – he's not really like Doug and that, you know, Doug's got a really high – or excuse me, Doug's got a low spin rate fastball, and McLeod has a high spin rate fastball. Um, he's going to pitch up in the zone. He's got a really good breaking ball. I was told uh, – and, you know, look, obviously, if you follow me on Twitter, you know I have an affinity for Clayton Kershaw. I was told his curveball is uh, resembles – what Kershaw does with his off speed so really good pitcher he's gonna throw strikes he's only got been gotten after one time this year arkansas got him for four home runs in 3.2 innings uh got him for three home runs in the first inning look i think he's really good uh i think gunner's better doesn't necessarily mean that i think ole miss is going to win the game on friday night but i i I do think that uh i think we're gonna have a low scoring game on friday night and i think if if gunner here here's my thing and and i've kind of looked at, into this this week I think Ole Miss should stop using uh, or stop trying to find as we continue to say a bridge guy to Taylor Broadway I think they should just extend Taylor Broadway at this point like if Gunner goes six innings and Ole Miss is up three to one after the sixth I think they should just at this point ask Taylor Broadway to pitch three innings
0: I mean the most stress-free game they've had saved this year was probably the first game of the year where they did that can you think of another one
1: uh, you're asking like where he saved the game?
0: Just no, just where the starter leaves and there's not really a whole much of drama or consequence. Oh, uh, in a no. close game, like no. obviously when the starter leaves and it, it's nine to two. When this almost no. exited a close game this year, like has there been a game that's had less consequence than when Mike went to Broadway for however many outs that was? Was that over nine?
1: Uh, yeah, he pitched, he pitched four innings, so it was 12 outs. Yeah. Um, uh, I yeah no. So that's my thing if um, and look, does that if he has to throw 52 pitches on a on a Friday night and you pitch three innings, does that limit your bullpen on, on Saturday and Sunday? Sure. Absolutely. But it's a completely fresh bullpen and frankly if he throws 52 pitches on Friday night, he's coming back on Sunday if they need him. And um, you got to win. and you got to win. So exactly. I mean, you can't lose the game if you extend him. That's doomsday. But obviously I don't think Taylor Broadway is going to give up many runs. I said earlier, and I stand by this, I, I kind of went in the last two years that they've played SEC place, so 2018, 2019. This is, this is something I, I was kind of interested in. Ole Miss's Friday, Saturday, Sunday guy and closers uh, – well, excuse me, Friday, Saturday, Sunday guy and the reliever that pitched the most SEC innings averaged to pitch 18 of the 27 innings on Ole, Miss week, on, on Ole Miss's weekends. They need that. And if Taylor Broadway and Gunnar Hogan can knock out nine of them on Friday night, that really sets you up, in my opinion, for the rest of the weekend. Now, look, am I saying if Ole Miss is up seven to one on Friday night and Gunnar needs to come out after the six because he's 103 pitches, they should run Taylor Broadway out for three innings? Not, God, no. But if it's three to one, if it's four to two, absolutely. I think, I think finding this bridge guy at this point is just counter. Like, if Ole Miss goes to Taylor Broadway on get in game one, When Gunner had to come out, they throw him the rest of the game, and I think they win the baseball game. And I don't really think there's a whole bunch of stress in doing so. Um, So, I I think it's time for them to extend Taylor Broadway.
0: I agree with that. And you kind of already gave a pretty good scouting report there on Christian McLeod. Two really good strikeout guys. I mean, I think McLeod's got like 58 and 36 in the third. And obviously, Gunner's got something stupid, like 78 and 49 innings or something. Really good. I told you know I talked to Haydad, and I, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I'm giving the people two podcasts today just because I wanted to talk to my old pal. I hadn't talked to him in a while, and we talked a lot of different stuff, but did some baseball at the end. I think that's the key to this game, particularly the first two days. Is can Mississippi State get Ole Miss's starting pitchers out in the fifth ish inning versus letting them go six and have nine outs? And it, like I mentioned to him, that sounds like you know a small thing. Or a small difference, but in all actuality, that gap between nine and twelve outs, or you know, whatever you want to call it, nine, twelve outs, thirteen outs is is huge for Mississippi State Ole Miss, because it has like what you just talked about, extending Broadway, is because it's been such an adventure for Ole Miss to find those outs up to him. And so I think that's where the games won it lost because you put it to you this way. You talked up Arkansas's closer last week, Cops or whatever his name is, sure. right? If Landon Sims comes in the game with the lead, the game's probably it's over. over. It's, it's definitely the game's over. Have you seen his numbers? Yeah.
1: Now we'll great,
0: the people out there, just – just I, I just find this incredibly yeah. interesting. He has pitched 21 innings this year. He has struck out 43 hitters. He has allowed one earned run on 10 hits and his walk seven. That'll hunt. It'll hunt. Here's what I'll tell you. I
1: talked up cops last week, and Ole Miss assaulted him. Um, it's probably over if he comes in with a lead. But after last week and what they did to cops, I'm not going to just completely write off their ability to hit him. But you're right. That guy's a stud. Um, and, you know, he obviously has a – I can tell you Landon Sims throws 93 to 96. And it's high spin rate. And it, that thing's on plane. And it's real tough to hit in a two- to three-inning setting. Now, the thing – with here's the thing with Landon Sims he has not pitched multiple times in a weekend this year. And I don't think you can ask him to do that. Maybe at this point, he's a guy they're going to extend. So, you know, if Ole Miss is down two to one in the sixth um, and McLeod's at 96 pitches, they have no problem putting Landon Sims on the mound and asking him to get 12 outs. And he might just do it.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's that's a disaster scenario for Ole Miss. Moving to Saturday, I find it shocking. Hey, Dad thought State had the advantage on the Hill. I uh, firmly disagree. I think Ole Miss will have the advantage. I think Bednar's good. I think his numbers have been okay. Um, I say okay. His numbers have been good. He doesn't walk anyone. He strikes out a lot of guys. He's been pretty good. But I still would like Ole Miss's chances uh, with Doug on Saturday because ever since particularly he's been moved to Saturday, that's my kind of like fighter Badler theory. And Bednar has some of that in him. He has some Doug in him when it comes to that. But uh, I would take my chances with Nikhazy in this one. It's just, how does Ole Miss's bullpen look at that
1: point? Sure. Um, I mean, from a pitching, starting pitching perspective, Ole Miss is better on Friday and Saturday. Uh, Jackson Fristo has been perfectly mediocre in SEC play. Um, so, I mean, whatever, however you want to gauge, uh, you know, Drew McDaniel, that's fine. But, no, Ole, Ole Miss has an advantage from a starting pitching standpoint. Look, McLeod's good, like you said. Benar's good. Uh, Ole Miss, like Ole Miss has a first round pick and a guy that I think is a fringe first round pick. I saw a mock the other day of him go, of going of Nikezee going twenty eighth to the Padres. And that while well, it shocked me, it's like, well, that kinda makes sense. Um, so no, I look, outside of one team, frankly, in this country, I think Ole Miss on Friday and Saturday is is got a pitching advantage now that doesn't mean you're gonna win the baseball games there are a lot of, a lot more parts than starting pitching but that's certainly a big part of it but yeah I completely agree on Saturday Doug Nikhazy I think is better than Bernard and I frankly think Ole Miss matches up well with Bernard with how they hit what they do like yeah he's a he's a hard throwing right-handed pitcher I don't think that's I don't think that's how you get Ole Miss out. Like, yes, I think he's going to have a successful day. I think you tell me he goes six innings and gives up two runs. I'm not shocked. Um, But I think if he goes six innings and gives up two runs, Ole Miss is going to either be leading or tied, because I think Doug McKaysey is a very, very tough matchup for Mississippi State.
0: Yeah, and then you get to Sunday, and if it's 1-1 on Sunday, I mean, just kind of – it kind of depends on what lens you view it from. Like, what team – what has what Uh, in the bullpen. You mentioned Fristo sure. aggressively average, but that's worked for them because, you know, I mean, you talk about not having an answer on Sunday. Eric the Wild Thing, Sarantola, was horrendous for them. And like they can't get him in a game now. And so, you know, Fristo being exec- aggressively mediocre has has actually done wonders for them.
1: No, no, no. I, I, I don't mean that as a slight. Like Ole Miss right now would kill for aggressively mediocre on exactly. Sunday. Exactly. That's a good way to put it. Um, what I mean is I don't think Jackson Fristo, and look, I may eat these words. If you're a state fan listening to this, I'm, I'm very readily aware of of what has happened the last few times, Ole Miss and Mississippi State has played, played baseball. I have a tough time believing Jackson Fristo is going to hold down an Ole Miss offense, like really hard time believing that. So we'll see. Um, I just, and, and frankly, this is why I'm going to pick Ole Miss to win the series and, a little bit of it is I'm an old Miss fan and I'm not going to pick them and lose Mississippi State unless it's just obvious they are. Number two is I think I have a very hard time believing that Ole Miss is going to go O and two in their first two games with Gunnar Hoagland and Doug McCasey. You're going to frankly have a hard time convincing me Ole Miss is going to go O and two against anybody. I think Ole Miss being able to hit the baseball the way they do with two pitchers that I think are pretty equal on Sunday starting. I think Their offense gives them an advantage on Sunday.
0: I agree wholeheartedly because that's a good transition to what I was about to get into. State's a weird offense. They're mediocre in pretty much every category. I know numbers people hate timely hitting, but this team, this group, does not really do anything aggressively well. But they're a top three team in runs driven in in the conference. Like when they get dudes on base, they capitalize on their opportunities. They're an opportunistic offense, but they're not one that's scary. They don't hit the ball out of the ballpark at an alarming rate. I believe they have one more home run that will Miss do, does, or they did entering the week. These SEC numbers are entering this week. But they're middling to average everywhere else. State doesn't strike out a whole lot. But, I mean, good sure. luck against Gunnar Hoagland and Doug Nikhazy in that sense. But they don't strike out a whole lot. They walk at a decent rate, but they don't do a ton of stuff well. But they are very opportunistic. And it seems like they're kind of carried by four pretty solid guys. And they're, they're kind of searching for the old missus version of what Tim Elka was, a guy that will carry their lineup for a month and a half.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, provide you something I found was interesting. Look, I was a nerd and went and found this out. Um, but it kind of makes sense if you have watched Mississippi State play this year. So uh, Mississippi State, and, and make, I want to make sure I you know emphasize what I'm saying here, Mississippi State in the first, eighth, and ninth inning combined is hitting 324 with an 866 OPS against Power Five teams. Second through seventh inning, 216 batting average with a 698 OPS. So they do a lot of their damage in the last two innings of games and in the first inning of games and have been aggressively kind of terrible the second through seventh innings of games. And, and if you follow and have watched Mississippi State this year, that's why they're in games they might not should have been in is because their offense can really, really sputter for long periods of time. Uh, give them credit. They do well in the eighth and ninth innings against closers, uh, which is a little weird, and they come out of the gate on fire. They've, they scored 10 against Auburn on Sunday. I mean, they, they do really well to start games. But I just kind of feel like if those numbers hold the par right, like when you're talking about a Gunnar Hoagland, you're talking about a, a Doug McHazy if those numbers hold, like, you're going to have a really tough time attacking those dudes in the first inning. And if the second through seventh inning numbers are to be, you know, trusted, it going to be really hard for Mississippi State to score a ton of runs in the first seven innings, uh, you know, against those two guys because you don't think that they're going to be able to do much in the first inning.
0: Yep, Tanner, Allen, Rowdy, Jordan, pretty consistent hitters for them. Cameron James is probably their best and most polished overall. I know state fans would probably tell you it's Tanner Allen. I guess I won't disagree with that. I would say behind Allen, then Cameron James. Seems like the guy that has really let them down this year has been Josh Hatcher because – Yeah, not
1: great.
0: And he – obviously, he's watched way more state baseball than me. Hell, he's paid to. But Wolf, has he been rough? And that's probably – we're talking about a middling offense in this league is Josh Hatcher was – 85% 85% of what they thought he was going to be this year, they're probably a top-four offense, top-five offense, to where they're now yes. in that sixth – they're in that seventh, eighth range, I would say.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. So, yeah. Uh, you know, they're playing Lane Forsythe at shortstop, who he had a good game against Arkansas State, hit a home run, hit a big double for him, But um, not really providing a ton of offense in SEC plays. I think he's hitting, actually, 300. but I think he has a sub-700 OPS. An SEC play, and you talk about a guy like, uh, you know, Tanner Leggett or Scotty DeBrule, who who have not been real productive in SEC play. Uh, you know, look, they've got guys like you mentioned, Cameron James, really good player, Tanner Allen, really good player, uh, Rowdy Jordan, extremely good outfielder, really good switch hitting guy. Um, in a kick-ass name. Sorry, go ahead. Sure, sure, but um, there are some holes in that lineup too, where you know, I I don't think there's going to be a ton of runs scored from the Mississippi State perspective this weekend just because I think Ole Miss's pitching matches up well with what they try to do. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think, look, State's got some players on offense. They would be the number six team in the country, number four team in the country, wherever the hell Kendall raked them too high this week. Um, but, you know, I, there is a lot of, you know, deficiency at times, and I think Gunnar Hoagland and Doug McKenzie are really good, and I think they'll be able to exploit that.
0: Agree, and that's probably what this series comes down to. State has a pretty, to this point, a pretty decided advantage in the pin. So if you know, if the sure. game Ole Miss is kind of screwed. But the, at the same rate, you know, Ole Miss probably has pretty good advantage starting pitching, advantage offensively. But you know, if you're in a three-three game in the seventh for two days, and we talked about how much better st- and how good State is in those later innings, uh, you know, if you're three-three in the seventh or eighth, depending on who's out there, you're probably not liking Ole Miss's chances. Uh, in the bullpen with the way state has kind of gone against opposing bullpens late in games, whatever that may be, it's hard to put your finger on it and quantify it, but we're 32 games into this thing. Give them credit. It's certainly true. So that's probably what this ends up coming down to. Ole Miss needs to hit the ball and get linked out of their starters, which I just felt like a football coach saying we need to execute better.
1: We need to tackle. Um, No, but yeah, you're completely right. Look, I think Ole Miss needs to be, you know, get out early in games, because like you said, there's a, there's a monster hanging back there in Landon Sims that Ole Miss will have a tough time against if he comes in late in the game and is only up, you know, and is up a run or two. I mean, Ole Miss is just going to have a tough time against him. Now, look, I said that against cops last weekend and Ole Miss assaulted cops. I mean, I I can't remember exactly what his number is, but he pitched six innings last week and I think Ole Miss scored five runs against him. Um, So, you know, they've gotten after guys that have been unhittable this year, but you know, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make, want to make that something you have to do on a weekly basis either. All
0: right, let's make our picks. Uh, we'll start with this series. I swear on my life that I am going to add up the three week total and put it in the newsletter tomorrow. Not my fault this time. I hauled it, asked to get home from work to where we could afford in time. So this was not me being, uh, me being a, uh, a slapstick this time, I promise. Let's make our picks. I'll put them in a nice little chart or whatever and get our numbers on the year. Uh, in the newsletter in the morning. Uh, but let's go ahead and roll through. it. don't mean, we'll start with this series. I think I'll go Ole Miss 2. Um, and then closing thought on this, Ole Miss needs this for their confidence, man. They haven't beaten an elite-level team yet in a weekend series. And I just – I don't just – I mean, again, the team's still going to keep playing. They're still going to be fine if they lose 2-3. But this feels like a big one from a confidence standpoint.
1: Sure. I completely agree with that. Um, I, I think I agree with it more in the fact that, like, if they are able to get this, I think they're going to go on some big run because I think they're playing three teams that frankly, aren't really near their level. So if you're able to get this one, you're able to be 10 and five after 15. uh, I think that's really good. Like you, you mentioned they're going to keep playing. They're going to be fine if they lose, too. But I think this weekend gives you an opportunity to be a springboard uh, into the back half of the schedule, which obviously is not near as tough when you're talking about Texas A&M, you're talking about LSU, you're talking about a Georgia team that, yeah, they'd be variable, but it's not as great. Uh, as far as picks, I think Ole Miss wins on Friday and wins on Sunday.
0: Fair enough. I'll go if they back end it Saturday and Sunday.
1: Oh, God, Saturday would be measurable if they lose
0: Friday night. Just to be different. Uh, can I interest you in Kentucky, Georgia?
1: <sighs> Kentucky win. No, I can't do it. Georgia wins two. Yeah, I, I was going
0: to say the same thing. I don't think, I think the cat's out of the bag. Kentucky was about as fraudulent of a five-and-one as you could possibly get. Missouri, Florida. I'm going to go. No, Florida. Uh,
1: Florida three.
0: What? Florida three. Okay, no, I'm going Florida two. You know how many conference wins Missouri has this year?
1: Uh, yeah, I can figure it out. It'd be one, zero, two, one. Yeah. Four, four and eight.
0: Okay. Well, they, it's hard to go six and 24. If you have five after this weekend. That's a good point. You trust Florida to sweep anyone right now? I, I, we agree. We made so much fun of Missouri, but I mean, it seems, I'm getting bad vibes out of the, the, the Gators.
1: Where's the series?
0: Uh, Gainesville.
1: Yeah. Florida three.
0: All right. Road warriors. Missouri gets one. Uh, I I could interest you in this, and I'm going to watch uh, as much of this as I possibly can this weekend uh, outside of my hockey excapades this weekend. Tennessee hosting Vanderbilt.
1: Vanderbilt,
0: two. Same Vandy, too. I, I, I mean, that would be so monumental for Tennessee. And you'd actually – tell you what, you'd have a hell of a race in the, west, in the east if Tennessee would take two. But I just don't – I don't see Vanderbilt losing back-to-back series. But I think it's a hard-fought two for Vandy.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's just so hard when you have a win plugged in on Saturday.
0: Yes, that is very true. Um, Because you got to somehow beat Kumar Rocker and then exactly, like you said, take advantage of Sunday to the fullest. Uh, Alabama-Auburn, the Iron Bowl on the diamond. I will go Alabama 3.
1: I'm going to go Alabama 2. Like, if you don't have enough pride to not get swept by Alabama, like, you've got some culture issues. So, I'll go Alabama 2.
0: Prelip is tonight, or is he going to – they hold him tomorrow?
1: No, he's actually going Sunday or Saturday for them.
0: Uh, probably as much rest as possible. That makes sense. That's huge news. That's a first round pick for a team. I may have outlined this on the Sunday show, but do you know Alabama's schedule? Uh,
1: yeah. I mean, I could, I could spit it out. It's LSU, State, Vanderbilt. Um,
0: no, I'm talking about so just, I'm just—they're so five and seven, right? Sure. Their next three weekends: Auburn, Kentucky, Missouri. Yeah, you make some hay there, man. We're gonna look up in at Vanderbilt. Alabama's gonna be going to, going to, Vanderbilt like eleven and nine, which good for them.
1: Like, 11, eleven and ten. 11 and ten. Do the math.
0: Yes, yeah, sorry, eleven and ten. I gotta carry the one. Uh, <laughs> or hell, twelve and nine. Like would that sure. start. Sure, sure. No. Uh,
1: and 9. Okay, so who do I'll, they finish
0: the year? Oh, they finish with
1: state. Ew.
0: Yeah, that's not great. Their finish is not great. Uh, Arkansas hosting a And M.
1: Arkansas, too. Hmm. two. Arkansas hasn't played that well at home. They haven't swept at home.
0: Yeah, too, as well. But I mean, just asking AM to get a game kind of feels gross. It does.
1: It does. If the game's gonna happen, though, I, I think it's Friday night.
0: Last one: LSU hosting South Carolina.
1: LSU two.
0: South Carolina two. I don't. I don't buy the. Uh, don't buy the Tigers. So that's our picks for the week. I'll put it in the newsletter tomorrow and update the standings. Uh, and actually finally get this segment off the ground because of my own uh, my own uh, slapdickery, if I'm allowed to say. I can say what I want on this show.
1: It's your own um, podcast.
0: <laughs> let's get to the questions, and then we'll let you get out of here. We It is Mailback Friday. We waited to the end to celebrate the people's holiday. I waited late to take questions, so that's on me. But uh, we're going to roll through them. You can only have one beverage for the rest of your life. What is it? It can't be water. Coors Light, next question. Go ahead.
1: Jesus, wait. You're kidding, correct?
0: No. He said it can't no. be with water. You're going to die eventually on whatever else it is. You have to have water.
1: You're not going to die eventually. Like, water's in other stuff. It's in beer. Uh, do what? It's in beer. Well, yes, but like, are you really at eight? Okay. I'm not even going to finish asking that question. Uh, purple Gatorade. I I could, I could do without alcohol for the rest of my life. I, I, I need Purple Gatorade.
0: <laughs> non alcoholic. I will actually go to the. The light blue Powerade Zero. That's kind of a weird one, but I hate the Powerade Zero. But that one's pretty good.
1: Okay, okay, but yeah, I'm I'm going Gatorade purple. I love some purple Gatorade. Man, I don't. I, I know it's not good for you, but damn, if Gatorade doesn't make you feel good.
0: I thought Gatorade was good for you.
1: Oh, I thought it was like too sugary or whatever. But I don't know if it's good for you. That's good for me.
0: I wouldn't know. I don't even know the difference between carbs and calories. Um, let's Same. see. Over under one and a half John Rice Plumley starts this weekend. Can I can I get a scouting report on bench's back?
1: Yeah, that's that's the thing. If bench if bench isn't playing, I think John Rice Plumley is. So let's let's I'll operate on two premises. If jo, if Justin Bench starts three games, uh under. If he does not start three games, over.
0: Yeah, I think my answer is the same. Uh, yeah, I think it's exactly the same because that, that's the ultimate terming factor. I, you know, you can make an argument that Ole Miss' best version is over regardless, just depending on how you look sure. at the lineup. But uh, I think I'm going to go the same way. Uh, thoughts on ESPN's FPI rankings for football? I saw people get really mad about this. Apparently, they had state really high. I don't understand FPI, and I've never thought it to be significant.
1: I think if you have a Mike Leach coach team that went three and eight or whatever the hell they went last year as the number eight team in the country, you should probably just do some better analytics.
0: Okay. That's, that's probably.
1: Just, just pick some better analytics because those
0: are wrong. 24 ish. Do what? Oh, Miss was like 24 in that or something. Like uh, yeah, I got it. I didn't. I don't think I, good. I should have pulled it up, but yeah, I think they had state and another club was too high as well. Um, I can't – oh, it was like Iowa State was ahead of Oklahoma. You should probably get better analytics. <laughs> or excuse some me, better Iowa numbers. Iowa State was ahead of Ohio State in FPI. Oh, good grief. So, yeah, not a big FPI guy. Uh, let's see. What conspiracy theory – what's a conspiracy theory that you want to be true? That I want
1: to be true? Um, I don't know. You go first.
0: I go first – Ooh, um, DB Cooper is still alive and is living with the money. he's okay. playing with—is that a good one?
1: Okay, uh, I was gonna go Tupac's still alive.
0: That—that's a really good one too. I just—I I had to think on my feet for that one. I would say those are two pretty damn fine answers. There. Um, like any JFK assassination thing—I mean, no, not to be crude—the guy's still in, still passed. Like. It, it, that one, yeah. that one doesn't pique my interest as much. I, I don't think nine eleven was an inside job. I would just don't want that to be true <laughs> either. So yeah. like, these other ones are just not piquing my interest. I kind of like the, uh, the, the the little mystery element that's a little more harmless. So I, I like that. If Tupac was still alive, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, there's another guy <sighs> people think is living in Brazil. Who is it? I can't remember. I have no idea. I've not heard this. Ooh. I'll if I if it comes to me, I'll mention on another show. But uh, good question. Would you rather gain one hundred pounds of fat or lose fifteen inches of height? Well, I think I'm pretty well spoken for I'll go with the fat because uh that would be a rough scene if I lost fifteen inches of height.
1: I think I'd have to go go have to go height. hundred more pounds would might kill me. So yeah, I will just be a midget. <laughs> be careful That's what you good. wish for. I mean I'm I'm five ten ish. I would be five uh, yeah. Yeah, it's
0: legend. Fair enough. Uh, it's pretty fun. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> we only had one left, I think. Did anyone try to make you play start out playing golf right-handed? Who's your favorite left-handed golfer? No, when I was a kid, like my dad, like I think tried to get me to do things right-handed, but it was just it was very clear it wasn't happening. So he never bought me like a right-handed set of clubs or anything. I'll tell you what, though, back when you and I were kids. Um, I like barely, barely missed like the peak of the U.S. kids uh, golf series to where those those were like, like that was kind of what made junior clubs, particularly for left handers mainstream. So junior clubs were harder to find, uh, particularly left handed ones. So it was actually really hard to find left handed clubs when I was young, young. By the time I got to like nine, 10, wasn't really much of a problem. So I didn't like affect it that much. But no, I wasn't like Mickelson. Uh, you know, Mickelson's right-handed in everything he does, and the only reason he's left-handed is so he can watch his dad swing from the other side face-to-face. Did you know that? I did not know that. He does everything else in his life right-handed. But if you think about it, when you're lined up next to each other on a driving range, if it's righty versus lefty, you're facing each other instead of back-to-back. Or, yeah, yeah back-to-front, whatever.
1: Wow, that's weird.
0: Yeah, so uh, nice little tidbit for the day. Um, I think that was the last question question we had no excuse me my uh my guy over here. oh never mind we had two more uh is the defense going to improve enough to allow the football team to win nine games
1: Ooh, nine games um so that involves four and non-conference mississippi state arkansas yes do i think they win nine games no do i think the defense is the reason they don't win nine games also no
0: yeah does that make sense comes- I think you kind of took the words out of my mouth there. Because uh, I think – I just – I think they have to be better defensively. And so, you know what, they won five last year, which is eight in a normal year. And right. They, so, I don't necessarily think Ole Miss wins nine games either, but I'm with you. I think the reason they don't win nine games is because Matt Corral has two LSU and Arkansas or they just don't have the playmakers offensively. Uh, I think that's much more likely than it just being the defense being horrible. Maybe no, I, 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 I do I, think- I'm with you on that.
1: I, I think if you're including a bowl game, I think they can win nine. I think eight and four is where I'm going with the regular season.
0: Uh yes, I am. uh I'm the same way. Um, let's see. Uh, these are. Directed- Randy
1: asked another question, I believe. Who? Randy, I believe he has two uh, questions. I saw them somewhere.
0: Technically, three. What was in that Casa Lemonade? Both these are directed at you. All right.
1: So, um, Casa Lemonade you know what we're talking about? Like the Mexican restaurant on Jackson. Yes. Okay. So me and Randy, like we're, we're good friends and we, we both enjoy Mexican food and we, we enjoy Casa and we both enjoy lemonade. However, we have discovered that Casa, when you go like what we would all, I mean, frankly, we would go to the Mexican place and then get really sick. Okay. Uh, Not like, like, you know, emergency room sick, but like, just sick and we're like all right this makes no sense because you go to other mexican places it doesn't happen we would always get the lemonade and we went and one time did not get the lemonade and it did like we're just completely fine so we have decided that i don't know what it is but that thing is a gut bomb of uh of i don't know if they're putting what in it but my god it'll it'll mess you up so if you go to casa look great mexican food awesome mexican food just make sure you get
0: water Interesting. You think it's just a ton of sugar? Because my stomach doesn't handle sugar very well. At this it episode. could be. It tastes different, though. It, it really does,
1: and it tastes really, really good. So I think that might be possible.
0: Maybe. I think that might be possible. Maybe y'all acted a fool in there one time, and now the kitchen staff's like, can we flirt with food poisoning, but not quite poison these dudes? That's
1: a good point. Now, look, I am advocating go to Casa, order their food. Just don't get the lemonade.
0: Fair enough. The second question is asking why you're a bed tornado. Uh, I'm kind of the same way. I do that thing all the time. I just move around a bunch in my sleep. But oh, uh, no,
1: my, my, the answer to this question is sex. No, I'm kidding.
0: Nice, um, nice, great answer. No, just leave it at that. Whatever else you say is getting cut out. <laughs> sex. <laughs> uh, let's see. That was our guy, Silly Man, Chili Man had one more. Oh. Uh, you and Colin Brister get the chance to do an hour-long interview with current athletes in the NFL, NBA, and MLB. Who do you pick and why?
1: That's a uh, good yeah, really good question. So you would have to do NBA. I'll, I'll give you NBA. I, I, like, I don't even follow it enough to have an opinion.
0: NBA? Weird answer, but I think Jimmy Butler. Okay. Because he like like, seriously in the throughout the entire interview might kind of treat you like an asshole, but he's going to tell you exactly what he's thinking. I would actually go him or Rajan Rondo because they're the same way. Like I, I mean, hell, I've spent three years with Mike Bianco. I don't or five years. I don't mind if you're kind of an asshole to me, as long as you tell me the truth. Which Mike didn't always. Anyway, I'm not getting into that. Um, but the both of those guys are kind of dogged mentalities, and you know, most people, most anyone you read about. I mean, Rondo for all of his flaws is like quite literally a basketball prodigy. When I mean, you talk to LeBron James or anyone, they're like, holy shit, that guy's basketball mind is like a beautiful mind. It's out of control. So I feel like both of them would be interesting interviews, and that's probably not the answer you were expecting. Uh, no, that
1: wasn't the answer an- I was expecting. Um, baseball, I'll give you a weird one. Shohei Otani. I-, I just want to know, like, what it's like to be the best athlete in a sport. I don't and, understand it uh, all. I I would really like to talk to Shohei Tod.
0: I'll go uh, Trevor Bauer.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah, he's number two.
0: Uh, there's probably some good ones there. Like Ronald Acuna seems fun. I know yeah. he doesn't like say a ton to the media, or I mean, he's he's not say a ton. He doesn't like he doesn't make a ton of headlines, but he he seems like a fun guy to talk to. Um, I don't know. Lance, who's the guy that ratted out Mike Fires? Isn't he the one that yeah. ratted out the Astros? Mike Fires, yeah, yeah. I just like Uh, – I mean,
1: if we're getting honest answers, Carlos Correa.
0: Yeah. Yep. Let's see. I'm trying to think if there's any other ones. I don't know. I mean, I guess they have to be current players. Like, I'm not going to go up the A-Rod, A-Rod, barking up the A-Rod tree. Um, What about NFL? Deshaun Watson. Okay, that's a topical one. Fair enough.
1: (laughs) I I want to know, like, what's up, man? Because you were my favorite (laughs) player,
0: and now you're not, so – I'd like to hang out with Marshawn Lynch for an hour. Yeah, but he's not in the NFL. Uh, that's true. I, I needed him to sign for a team last year. Um, Let's see. Who would be a good one in the NFL?
1: Marcus Peters.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Jalen Ramsey? Yeah. That would yeah. get annoying after a while, I feel like, though.
1: It would. And he'd probably get in a fight just by being in his presence.
0: Yeah, that's also also very true. I've always heard – uh. Mike, Mike Evans kind of has that FU edge to him, but I heard he's interesting. Um, honestly, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, just talking yeah. about War Dog stories, I bet that guy has tons.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just everybody, like he's grooms everybody starting quarterback.
0: Wow, some guy just submitted a late mailbag Friday, but we'll take it right at the finish line. We're ready for this. It's the Wild West. You get to choose to ride one animal around as your mode of transportation. But it cannot be a horse. What are you choosing? So when he says, well, are we talking about the American West or could we just do anything? Because I'd probably go Tiger.
1: Yeah. Uh, I need some assurances. This thing's not going to eat me, right? Like no, you're not going to ride something. You just ride
0: it and it's pretty tame no matter what kind of animal it is.
1: All right, yeah, I mean, this is obviously getting a cheetah.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, that's uh, – yeah, that's a good point. You get a lot of speeding tickets, but that cheetah would work. <laughs> yeah,
1: cheetah. Yeah, There we go.
0: So there we go. Daniel Hill, listener, uh, Bat Dan, barely beat the buzzer. Congrats to uh, Bat Dan this week. So um, that'll do it for us. That's our show. I appreciate you joining me as always, dude. We'll be back at it Sunday night recapping all things uh, this series. Reminds you one more time, go check out LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Go check out Skybox Sports Picks. Make you some money on some baseball this weekend. We've got golf, NASCAR, all kinds of things going on. Colin and I will be back at it on Sunday. I appreciate it, dude. Absolutely. Everybody have a safe and happy holiday and a great and safe weekend, and we'll talk to you all soon.